You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. face the gallows. I don't have to face that death. Once the die and then the judgment. I've been judged. I've been judged. I was dead in my sin, but now I'm alive in Christ. That's the picture here. Haman had become the judge and jury and the executioner. And the Lord used the same measuring cup for you. Be careful how you judge, lest you be judged the same way. Our King, our Savior, our glorious Jesus Christ, is our judge. Pride always brings you and the people around you down. It never edifies or builds you or anyone else up. In today's message, Pastor Dave will exhort us to do away with our pride. We need to look at each other with the same grace and compassion our Savior demonstrated for us in our sin. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Esther chapter 6 as he continues his message, The Pride of Haman versus the Hand of God. I felt like I got disrespected at the bank. And I even said, I've been coming to this bank for 13 years, and this is the way you treat me? I was really kind of happy. I was trying to hold my temper, but it was really annoying me the way they were treating me. I've been there all that time. And then I went down to the township and to pay the thing, and they gave me a hard time. And I was really getting mad. I, was, I, I felt like asking them, who do you think I am? Do you know who I am? <laughs> I was just really getting angry. I couldn't believe it, but I did. I did hold my, you'd be proud of your pastor. I held my tongue. I held my tongue and I said, thank you. I thank you. Thank you. Even at the bank, when they were giving me such a hard time, this brand new teller looks at me and says, so how's your day? I said, well, my day's great. How's yours? Oh my. So anyhow, I go through all this and I'm thinking I'm owed something. I'm thinking that they should know who I am. I'm thinking all this stuff. I get in my car and I'm driving home. The Lord has never spoken to me audibly, but this was pretty clear. He said, how you doing, Haman? (laughs) Uh, What? Yeah. It's a matter of the heart. It's all a matter of the heart. I couldn't confess and repent enough. I couldn't cry out to him enough and ask for his forgiveness. For my heart had been haughty. I had lifted myself up. I thought I was something special, but I'm not. I'm a sinner saved by God's grace. I'm nothing in the kingdom of God except for the love of Jesus Christ. Except for Christ crucified on a cross, I am nothing. How dare I lift myself up? But pride sneaks into your self-life so easy. You don't even know. I didn't even know it was pride. It didn't even feel like pride to me. I just felt like I was protecting myself. But it was pride. It was pure, unadulterated pride. And it didn't hit me until the Lord said, How you doing, Haman? Whoa! Got my attention. Got my attention. So pride comes, and we have to be very careful. We have to be very careful about our pride. Because I think we all can relate at one time or the other. Maybe you can't, but because you're much holier than I. But I tell you, it happens to me. It happens to me. So the king now gives an order. 
The king gives the order. Then the king said to Haman, hurry, take the robe and the horse as you have suggested and do so for Mordecai the Jew who sits within the king's gate. Leave nothing undone so that you have spoken. Can you imagine the look on Haman's face when the king said that? What? Now, because the king said it and the king directed it, Haman was bound by law to do what the king had said to do. Notice that the king calls Mordecai the Jew. Did he forget that he made an arrangement with Haman to have them all exterminated? He was involved in that. But the king decides to honor Mordecai, and Haman decided what the reward should be. Coincidence? You decide. Haman has to abide by the king's wishes. He cannot show any disappointment or any disgust. You can't do that before a king. Kings don't like bad news. They don't like grumpy people. They want all merry and happy. He must cheerfully go about the king's business. Look at verse 11. So Haman took the robe and horse, arrayed Mordecai, and led him on horseback through the city square and proclaimed before him, thus shall it be done to the man with whom the king delights in honor. Wow. You get the feeling Haman's heart wasn't in that? Can you imagine the entire time he's riding on his horse going, I would imagine there's a lot of grumbling going on in Haman's heart. Can you imagine the embarrassment that Haman felt as he leads the horse through town and everybody sees the royal one riding on this royal horse, the crown, the robe, and everything. The only person that wouldn't bow down to Haman is on this horse and Haman's praying him around. I love it. Mordecai has been raised up. Now Haman is beneath him. God gives grace to the proud. I mean, gives grace to the, humbles the proud and gives grace to us. Needless to say, this doesn't set too well with Haman. Needless to say, this kind of sets him off. He, he can't believe what has just happened. He can't believe what has just happened before him and what he had to be a partaker of. He can't believe that this was going on. Let's look at 12 to 14 as we finish the chapter. Afterward, Mordecai went back to the king's gate, but Haman hurried back to his home, mourning with his head covered. When Haman told his wife, Zeresh, and all his friends everything that had happened to him, his wise men and his wife, Zeresh, had said to him, if Mordecai before whom you have begun to fall is of Jewish descent, you will not prevail against him but will surely fall before him. Great words, wifey-poo. You better listen, Haman. You better be listening. This is almost, almost like Gamaliel. Gamaliel, if it's of the Lord, it will last. Remember, God is for us. Who can be against us? In all this, there is absolutely no mention of the Lord, but you have to be able to see his handiwork in all of this. You have to see his fingerprints and his thumbprints and his palm prints over all of this. Haman has been the big man in the kingdom, but that wasn't enough for him. He desired the worship of Mordecai. And sometimes, you know, the one who doesn't pay the most attention to us, we want more than that. Sometimes when people don't pay attention to us, we want that attention. We think they owe us that attention. Everybody else pays attention to them. Why don't you? And we want that. And that's what pride does to you. Pride will take you right out. Pride is a dangerous thing. Now the roles are reversed. And we see Haman doesn't like bowing down either. He doesn't like bowing down before them. In fact, it sends him in the morning. He goes home crying like a little girl. He's upset. He may not be smart enough, but his wife and the wise men begin to sense that he's fighting against God. I love that. 
There's always someone who will come to you and go, you know, you're fighting against God. Always someone's going to come and put you back. Always someone. But he might be thinking, well, at least I'm still going to the queen's banquet. I still got her favor. So to wrap up chapter 6, we see that God uses small things in our life to bring about great changes. God uses small things to bring about great changes. The Romans thought that putting to death a carpenter was a small thing, but God used it mightily. The Romans thought that putting a carpenter on a cross would change, would solve everything. They're, they're pro- they wouldn't have to worry about it. But God used that for a huge thing to save every one of us. These are small things you might think of, maybe not so small, but he's using them in your life. There are things that he's doing right now that you're thinking are menial, that you're thinking are so small, but he's working and working and working and always working things together for good. And be careful who you make your enemies with. They may come back to get you. We need to choose our friends and know our enemies. We need to be careful when we do all these things. We need to be careful. Make sure you have enemies. Remember what it says about your enemies. Pray for them. Pray for those who spitefully use you. Pray for those who want to hurt you and persecute you. Pray for those. That's not pride when you do that kind of stuff. Don't be quick to point someone else's sin out. Don't be quick. You've heard me say before, my sin looks horrible on you, but don't look so bad on me. But it looks horrible on you. Don't be enamored when people give you attention. Don't be enamored. As we get into chapter 7, Haman is still kind of high-stepping. Look at verse 1 and 2. So the king and Haman went to dine with Queen Esther. And on the second day at the banquet of wine, the king again said to Esther, What is your petition, Queen Esther? It shall be granted to you. And what is your request? Up to half the kingdom it shall be done. As I said, Haman's still high-stepping because he's going in with the king and he's going to the queen and they're going to have this great big banquet. He's thinking, now, how can I bring up getting Haman, uh, Mordecai into the gallows? He abs- has absolutely no idea what is about to happen to him. Maybe he thought he was going to be honored in some way, his head still bursting with pride. He obeyed the king's command. He paraded Mordecai throughout the city and gave him honor. Now, maybe it was his turn to get some honor. Maybe the king was going to bestow some great honor on him. Little did he know what was awaiting him. Three and four. Then Queen Esther answered and said, If I have found favor in your sight, O king, and if it pleases the king, let my life be given to me at my petition and my people at my request. For we have been sold, my people and I, to be destroyed, to be killed, and to be annihilated. Had we been sold as male and female slaves, I would have held my tongue, although the enemy would never compensate for the king's loss. Esther finally gets the courage to come before the king and tell her what is so heavy upon her heart. Remember, she wasn't supposed to tell anybody she was a Jew. She kept that from the king at the beauty contest back in chapters 1 and 2. But now she says, my people. She's identifying with her heritage. She's identifying who she is. She proceeds to tell the king that there's an evil person And this evil person has sold her people out. In fact, not only has he sold them out, but they're going to be annihilated. They're going to be destroyed. They're going to be completely wiped out. Not slavery, but unto death. Haman's probably thinking, hmm, 
What are the odds that this would happen to Esther's people as well as those rotten Jews that I'm going to kill? He doesn't know that she's a Jew. He hasn't picked up the fact that she's a Jew yet. So he's thinking, hmm, what are the odds? Hmm, this is pretty cool. He had no idea. Esther is gracious now. She tells her husband if they had been sold as slaves, she wouldn't have even bothered the king. But this was meant for destruction, so she had to come before him. I think that's beautiful that they were sold as slaves. She wasn't going to bother the king, but because they were going to be killed. The king is furious. King is really mad. He is really, who is he, he says. Look at verse 5. So the king Ahasuerus answered and said to the queen Esther, who is he and where is he? Who would dare presume in his heart to do such a thing? Wow. Who is it? Who's in their right mind? Who would be stupid enough to have the queen killed? How dare they? You know, his reaction and Haman's reaction remind me of another story back in 2 Samuel, back in chapter 12. Verses 1, then the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said to him, there were two men in one city, one rich and one other poor. Now, David had just had his affair with Bathsheba. He had just had her husband Uriah killed on the front line, and he decided he wanted to build the temple, and God had said no, right? The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which he had brought and nourished, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It ate of his own food and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom, and it was like a daughter to him. And a traveler came to the rich man who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb, prepared it, and for the man who had come to him. And David's anger was greatly aroused against the man and said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this thing shall die, and he shall restore fourfold the lamb, because he did this thing and had no pity. Nathan said to him, you're the man. This is what's happening here. Haman has no idea that he's the man. Haman is completely in the dark. He has no idea that he is the man. And the king had forgotten about that he had played a part in it too. Remember, the king has signed the decree. As we pointed out, like I said before, my sin always looks worse on you than it does on me. Look at verse 6. And Esther said, the adversary, the enemy, is the wicked Haman. So Haman was terrified before the king and queen. What can Haman say? He's been caught in his own trap. His own trap of hatred, his own trap of pride has swallowed him up. Has swallowed him completely up. God told his people in Isaiah 54, 17, No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. Wow. We know that God blesses those who bless Israel. God blesses those who bless Israel. We've seen it. There's been books written about it. We had a great book from a man who wrote a book about every tragedy that happened in the United States was after something came against Israel. And we see it. God blesses those who bless Israel. He also blesses those that have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. Those that have come to him humbly and confessed their sin and accepted Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. 
God blesses them with salvation. He blesses them with eternal life. He blesses them abundantly with all kinds of riches and things like that that we can't even imagine. All the injustices will be righted when our Savior's return, because we've been looking at that. We've been studying that in the book of Revelation. When Christ comes back, all the curse will be gone. Everything will change back to the way it was in glory. This was a battle that Haman could, that Haman could not win because he was fighting against the Lord. The Lord had arranged this the entire time. He had set up every single thing in the way. And I love it when the Lord does this kind of stuff. Now, I've seen it happen over and over and over where someone has some problems with someone else and, and they keep annoying them and, and bugging them and, and things happen. And all of a sudden, this person is struck with something. Something happens to them. The Lord will protect you. The Lord will keep you. He will not cause you to falter or fall. He always has you in his hands. Nothing can grab you out of his hands. He loves you. We have to be careful of pride. We have to be careful of arrogance. The king is so livid that he has to go into the garden to contain himself. He is so mad that he boasts out. He boasts out. And for poor Haman, it goes from bad to worse. It goes from bad to worse. Look at verses 7 and 8. Then the king arose in his wrath from the banquet of wine and went into the palace of the garden. But Haman stood before the queen, Esther, pleading for his life, for he saw that evil was determined against him by the king. When the king returned from the palace garden to the place where the banquet of wine, Haman had fallen across the couch where Esther was. And the king said, will he also assault the queen while I'm out of the ha- I am in a house? As his words left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's faith. This one act alone was worthy of death in the king's eyes. Tradition has it that as he was pleading for his life, he kind of stumbled and fell onto Esther, just as the king came in. And the king said, wait, wait a minute, you're going to assault my wife while I'm here? That alone, that in and of itself... It's cause for him to be killed. He's practically mauling the queen, begging for mercy. He would have been better off if he followed the king out and begged for mercy from the king. Desperate men do some pretty stupid things. And most importantly, remember, he is fighting against God. What a paradox. What a paradox. Haman had been furious because the Jew Mordecai wouldn't bow to him. And here he is, prostrate before the Jewish queen, begging for his life. Whether he was or not, Haman's king saw Haman assaulting the queen. And in and of himself was a capital offense. One of the eunuchs who guard the queen comes up with a great solution. I have a great plan. Let's look at verses 9 through 10. Now, Harbona, one of the eunuchs, said to the king, Look! The gallows, 50 cubits high, which Haman had made for Mordecai, who spoke good on the king's behalf, is standing at the house of Haman. Then the king said, hang him on it. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then the king's wrath subsided. Wow. God's not mocked. Whatever man sows, that which he reaps. That which he reaps. I'm so glad that I have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. I'm so glad that my sin is not accounted to me because of this cross of Jesus Christ. I'm so glad that I've accepted the cross of Jesus Christ for my salvation. I'm so glad that he accepted me once I believed upon Jesus for salvation. I'm so glad. I don't have to face the gallows. 
I don't have to face that death. Once to die and then the judgment. I've been judged. I've been judged. I was dead in my sin, but now I'm alive in Christ. That's the picture here. Haman had become the judge and jury and the executioner. And the Lord used the same measuring cup for you. Be careful how you judge, lest you be judged the same way. Our King, our Savior, our glorious Jesus Christ is our judge. And he can be the jury and he can be the executioner as well. If he needs to be, we study that in the book of Revelation. But if we come to him in faith, believing that he died for us on a cross, we can be saved. We too can be born again to a living hope. The moral of the story for me, pride always brings you down. Pride always brings you down. It never edifies. Pride never builds you up. It never makes you better than you are. It never gives you better standing than what you have. It never fulfills your selfish ambition. And pride will always go before a fall. A haughty look, a proud heart, God despises more than anything. It always leads to destruction. We have to be ever so careful of our pride. Paul says, I can't boast in anything except Christ and the cross. There's my, my boasting is right there. Christ and Christ crucified. That's all my boast. I can't boast anywhere else. Just there. That's the only place my boasting can be. Because it's not about me. It's about Jesus on a cross. It has nothing to do with me anymore. It's about him. May God be glorified in my life. May Jesus be lifted up in my life. That's what it's about. What's my job? Submit to him and point to him. I can't save anybody. But I can point the way to Jesus Christ. That somebody could know. What a story of pride. What a story of selfish ambition. What a story of weaving and circling and trying to circumvent the plan of God. We can never, ever circumvent God's plan. We've studied that all the way through this new Old Testament books that we've been reading. Many people have tried to thwart the plan of God. The devil constantly tries to thwart the plan of God. It will never, ever be thwarted. You cannot stop the plan of God. You cannot miss the plan of God. And you cannot go around the plan of God. It will come through. God will work all things together for good for those that loved him and are the called according to his purpose. Everything he does is for you. He's working good, even right now, in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your sorrow, in the midst of whatever's happening to you. Even in the good times, he's working everything together for good. We have to believe that. We have to trust in that, that that's going to happen. A good that you might not see, but a good that will happen. If anything, he'll draw you closer to him. He'll draw you closer to him. So Esther has saved her people now. And we have a couple more chapters in the book to finish up. Three more chapters exactly to finish up to read what happens next. And Mordecai got his comeuppance. Psalm 37, don't fret over evildoers. Don't fret over those who do evil, for they will get their just reward. I just paraphrased it terribly. But that's what happens. Amen? Amen. You are what do you do when God works miracles in your life? I'll tell you what the Jews did when God used Esther to save them from Haman's evil plot. They feasted, 
Esther 9, 20 through 22 says, And Mordecai recorded these things and sent letters to all the Jews who were in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, both near and far, obliging them to keep the 14th day of the month Adar and also the 15th day of the same, year by year, as the days on which the Jews got relief from their enemies, and as the month that had been turned for them from sorrow into gladness and from mourning into a holiday that they should make them days of feasting and gladness, days for sending gifts of food to one another and gifts to the poor. How do you celebrate and remember the miracles of God in your life? I hope it's with feasting and celebration. It is through remembering God's work that we hold on to faith in the hard times. You've been listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank. Pastor Dave is making his way through the book of Esther, a story of God's miraculous salvation of his people, a story to be celebrated and remembered in the dark times. A Sure Hope is brought to you by Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Do you live in the area? We'd love to see you. Head over to assurehoperadio.com right now to find our location and service times. Once again, that's assurehoperadio.com. We'll be looking for you this weekend. And with that, we've come to the end of our time. Please come back next time as Pastor Dave continues through the book of Esther on A Sure Hope. You've rescued us. We're ready now to stand up on our feet. Born again, we now go out. We set our hope on praise. A sure